Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. And tonight we're looking at the sixth episode of Star Cops called In Warm Blood. Episode Synopsis. Spacecraft Pluto 5 is returning to the moon on automatic, but the crew are not responding to moon traffic control. The Star Cops' David Thoreau investigates and discovers an intact spacecraft and a completely dead crew. They have mummified in the months since their death. On an orbiting space research platform, a woman watches the news about Pluto 5 and cries. Pluto 5 is owned by a Japanese pharmaceutical giant, Hanamed, and they've run interference, preventing Spring from sending a boarding team until they send a corporate doctor to lead the investigation. Having been delayed for 48 hours, Spring is not happy about the situation when Dr. Shun arrives, and even less happy when the moon base commander, Alexei, asks Spring to personally go check on a dear friend of his, a research scientist named Christina Janssen, who hasn't responded to routine communication for two days. Janssen is a biochemist working alone on an orbiting space research platform. Spring must send Kenzie in his place, along with David, to board Pluto 5. What they find is a very hot spacecraft, over 41 degrees, and the crew all dead, as if they died instantly. At first, it seems as if one of them is missing, but his body is soon found too. He was attempting to repair a busted thermostat. Dr. Shun doesn't know what killed them. She is just a general doctor, not a forensic pathologist. It's possible there is an invisible pathogen aboard the ship, and they treat it with full quarantine procedures. Aboard the space platform, Spring finds the platform to be unusually hot. He also finds Dr. Janssen's corpse sitting in her chair. She hasn't been dead long, but she intentionally stopped checking in two days ago. Spring suspects suicide, but it is unclear how she died. Davis does a background check on Janssen, and they learn that Janssen won a Nobel Prize for her research with space medicine, but later was the subject of controversy when it was learned that her human clinical trials had been on unwitting participants. Janssen worked for Hanamed. Shun reports back to Hanamed's CEO, Richard Ho, that she recommends that the ship be destroyed with all aboard as a precaution. Ho seems pleased with that result. The autopsy on Janssen shows that all her blood clotted at once, and Spring has a working theory. Janssen learned of the fate of Pluto 5, knew something about it, destroyed all the information on her computer system, cut off communications, and committed suicide. Spring suspects that Hanamed was testing medicines on the crew of Pluto 5 without their knowledge, and Janssen, racked with guilt, used whatever killed the crew on herself. He suspects that it is the iron supplements supplied to the crew by Hanamed. He confronts Shun, trying to get her to betray her company, which is like her father and mother to her. She refuses and accuses Spring of using people. She leaves the moon and returns to Tokyo. 
This accusation hits Spring hard. Does he exploit people? Fox thinks so. On Earth, Shun questions Ho. She wants to know if there is a connection between Pluto 5 and Janssen. He warns her to back off and calls on her unswerving Japanese cultural loyalty to the company to keep her in line. Spring sends Divas to Earth to snoop around Hanamed, but he is immediately captured due to extreme incompetence. Soon after this, Dr. Shun also infiltrates Ho's office with considerably more success. She is able to use his computer to find the connection. The crew of Pluto 5 was used as an unwitting test group. She calls Spring to tell him what she found out, but he's mostly asleep and she's got an accent. And then she's captured by security, cutting off the call. Ho gives Shun a dressing down. She's fired, barred from the company, her career is ruined, and he reminds her Janssen knew the right way out of the situation. Shun should follow suit. Spring returns to the space platform where he is conducting tests on the mice that were left behind. It is here that Kinsey reaches him with word about Devis's capture and the demands of the Japanese government that Spring travel to Earth and personally apologize to Ho in a humiliating way. And then the mice die. Spring goes to Tokyo and surprises Ho at his club in the steam room. Before introducing himself, he gives Ho some tea. He then confronts him with his suspicions. Ho admits nothing, but reminds Spring that he has no proof, and Pluto 5 was destroyed. Spring lays out his suspicion. The drug was a failure because if the temperature gets over 41 degrees, the blood in the patient instantly clots. The Pluto 5's thermostat broke, condemning the crew to death. Janssen committed suicide by administering the drug to herself and turning up the heat on the platform. Spring plays bad cop and beats up Ho a bit. He also turns the thermostat up in the steam room bringing the temperature dangerously close to 41 degrees. He tells Ho that he put the drug in his tea, and when the temperature goes over 41, he'll die. Ho breaks down and admits what he did. Spring admits that he lied about putting the drug in his tea. Back on the moon, the Star Cops learn Spring has recruited a new Star Cop, Dr. Anna Shun. The end. Well, Star Cops, I suspect... Yeah, I suspect that we're not going to be able to talk about this episode without addressing the huge, huge, stereotype, racist nonsense <laughs> that permeates a bit of this episode. Just a bit. Oh, oh I was cringing <laughs> at, at how bad, not even American television in the 80s was this bad about these kinds of stereotypes i mean bad yes but this is this is a special kind of bad um but yeah the the uh uh general physician uh dr shun mm. uh i think that she's actually a time traveler from the 60s uh <laughs> yeah her character was just not uh yeah it, it didn't make the uh asians look very good how about that no, it or the writers, not. for that matter. And I got to <laughs> tell you, um, I don't know what the heck Shun is as a name. It isn't Japanese. No, it uh, sounds. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to get to Ho too, but yeah, it sounds it sounds Chinese. But two two problems with that. One, I searched and I could not find any Chinese surname Shun, and you know there could be a number of different ways to pronounce uh, spell that, mm -hmm. and you know. It could be a Cantonese, 
it certainly doesn't feel Japanese in any way, shape, or form. Ho mm -hmm. is absolutely not Japanese. That is that is absolutely a Chinese name. Right. And and the actor Richard Rees didn't look entirely Asian to me. I mean, I, kind of. I think he went to the uh, Peter Sellers School of How to Be Asian. The Sean Connery School, yeah. With that too, um, yes. <laughs> Come to think of it, yes. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure. But looking at his uh, uh, IMDb, he he certainly definitely played Asian parts, like uh, over the years. David Carradine. I I I I don't want to come out and say that guy is definitely a white man <laughs> acting as an Asian because well first off that that mustache mm -hmm. didn't really look like an Asian mustache but you know that's yeah you know that's within variance there but sure 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 maybe you know maybe his um Mother he was Japanese and his father and was Chinese. Yeah, exactly. We'll go with that. My kids look at times more Asian than he did, but <laughs> well, you know, they and they are half. Are. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I I don't know what the circumstances, but but really, he did not give a great performance either. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't find an Asian guy to do this. Jeez, I mean. The, Wow. Again, assuming that he, you know, assuming he isn't, I mean, you know, they could hire me to play a Native American guy, but I don't look the part. No, not but at I, all. I have the paperwork. Actually. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know? Right. But, but so <laughs> yeah. I, you never can tell. But I, I, I spent a long, I went back and watched his scenes a second time just to look and I'm like, it's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to call this one way or the other, but it doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. And that, you know, could partially just simply be the way the state of British acting resources in the 1980s were not up to snuff. As you know, it, it's been only very recently that people refuse to cast white people in Asian roles. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's a relatively recent phenomenon. So yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe contractually they were obligated to give this guy a job or something like that. I don't know. I mean, he was he was on the roster of actors to use for this. Yeah. You know, he was. It's in his thing. You know, I can sing. I can ride a horse. I can pretend to be Asian. Um, like, oh, yeah, you're in. No problem. <laughs> I, I, I learned that British actors in their their like profile apparently have things like, you know, I can do. Yorkshire accent. I can do Cockney accent. I can do Lithuanian accent. They actually mm. have that. So, oh yeah, um, I think American actors do that. Too. They probably do. I've I've never looked at the. Well, I I know that things like I can ride a horse or yeah I can ride a motorcycle. Things like that are 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 in their bios, so that they get more jobs. So his could just be I can pass for Asian in a British TV show. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Um. I couldn't, I, and I looked. I, I really did try to find this guy, and I just could not find any biographical data on him. I, I could huh. find a list of things that he was in and some of the character names that he played, and clearly he was playing Asian characters. But beyond that, I couldn't find any other pictures of him. I couldn't find anything. So, uh, I'd hate to find out that he actually is, like, half Asian. It's like, it's like oh, be. sorry. 
They could be. I, well, okay. So you remember the TV series Lois and Clark? Yeah. yeah. Dean Kane is half Japanese. I didn't know that. <laughs> you never know it. That's right. Wow. Yeah, okay. Good point. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, he he's kind of like my kids. You you can if somebody says it and you look a little bit, you can kind of go, eh. mm-hmm. <laughs> "Maybe I can see it, but but no, cuz they it just and this this guy reminds me of that." So, yeah. I'm thinking that might be what the case is anyway. Yeah. Anyway, well, we've wa- we've waffled on about that when we've I got bet, other yeah. stuff to make fun of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think the uh, exercise regime on the moon is is definitely uh, something that's way up there as the uh, uh, the high point of this episode. <laughs> that was the noisiest exercise bike I've ever heard in my life. I'm I'm thinking that they actually made it extra noisy just for that. Maybe. Well, you know, sound travels further on the moon because it weighs less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've discussed that before, I believe. I think yeah. we have. I think we have. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's definitely what they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, I, I do want to, I do want to uh, just get the the whole Japanese thing out of the way. Oh, okay. That yeah, was sorry. that was very uh, that was very eighties. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but in the nineteen eighties, schools were in, at least in the United States, schools were picking up Japanese language courses. And oh, yeah, because colleges the, uh... because they were going to take over the world. Right. Yeah, the Japanese, I believe, were uh, were buying a lot of property and stuff like that because their bubble had not burst yet. And but boy, when know, it did. Were... <laughs> Oh, and then it did, yeah. And then we all switched to Chinese for all the same things because oh, yeah. they're going to be taking over the world. But um, you know, there was there was a lot of I don't want to say learning because that's not the right word. But in other words, a lot was made about the fact that you know how the Japanese interact with their corporations and how their corporations are their families oh, yes. because they spend yeah. you know twenty seven hours a day there and then spend the extra four hours a day after that drinking <laughs> with the boss. Um, right. Exactly. Yes. Afterwards. And sleeping in the street and puking for a while. Um, Right. And the whole, you know, the corporation is mother, the corporation is father. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the psychor on Babylon 5. But um, And, oh, I've dishonored the company. I need to go commit seppuku. Right. It's just, it really was just every stereotype. And, you know, you were a fisherman's daughter. No, no. I mean, there, yeah. there is there is truth to it, but right. But it's really, it, I agree. In the eighties, it was them really up played up. A, uh, you know, they, they, they're so caricature that it it, just, it it boggles my mind that you could get away with that, and um, it also boggles my mind that you could you could go after the Japanese and then get the names so wrong. Yeah, uh, that is weird. Maybe they were trying to make it like uh, it's Japanese, but it's a multinational corporation uh i don't know i don't know but why uh, maybe the yeah, w- the boss w- was just playing up the whole uh you've dishonored the the company just to you know try to cover up the massive screw up that he he allowed to happen i think that they were implying that is exactly how they ran the company for everybody i mean you know oh, they nice. gave her they all remember they said everybody lived at the corporation they fed them oh. they housed them they oh okay yeah all right yeah. so you know she her was, car was supplied by the company her SOP living arrangements then. and you're going to go back to pack and fish for the fisherman's because you're the fisherman's <laughs> daughter oh right yeah you know we gave you an education made you a doctor yeah no it was it was mm-hmm. um right you the, owe the us, whole honor yeah. us 
thing was was really over the top. It was it was as bad as the Klingons. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. So and then and then Davis's little racist <laughs> bit at the end was the okra on top of the turd sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for all you okra lovers out there. Both of if you, if there are any. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you couldn't even give me a cherry to put on top of the turd sandwich. Oh no, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 okra. <laughs> okra, yes, definitely. Yes, it's almost as bad as a durian, but not quite. The, the, yeah, I mean, oh, if, if if someone has not watched this and it's thinking they're not going to watch this, he makes, you know, those noises that people make when they're pretending to be doing like maybe a Bruce Lee or speaking Japa Chinese Asianish <laughs> before flying into sort of a sumo attack. It was, it was, it ended this episode with a shiver while I, I just <laughs> like, I was so pleased that no one in my family was watching this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, it's like, what are you watching, dear? Uh, nothing. Uh, Don't worry about it. It's a terrible watching, mistake. That's what I'm watching. I'm watching shameful moments from the 80s here. <laughs> shameful, exactly. shameful moments from the 80s. Yep. But it's British. It's British. What? I actually, allowed? What? <laughs> I, you know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of of um, Sam Tyler in Life on Mars going back into the 1970s and watching the cops in action. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It had that yeah, sort that. of like, wow, really? Was it really that? It was really that bad, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, oh, oh. Yep. Mm. That's a really good analogy, actually. Yeah. Except in this case, it's not fantasy. It's we're, yeah. real. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We're really looking into it. Um, yeah. It'll be like watching an episode of Charlie Chan. You know, and oh. I still like the Charlie Chan films. I know you do. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, but I will. I will say this. I. It's a shame. It, it, it's. It is. It's. <clears throat> I won't go so far as a crime, but I mean, it's definitely wrong that, not by the standard of the day, that they could never have a, a good actor, Asian actor, any actor, good, bad, or indifferent, playing the part of Charlie Chan. But at oh, least yeah. Charlie Chan was like used his sort of stereotype against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he he was definitely in control. He was yeah. smarter, he was in control, mm-hmm. and he he presented that image in a way to lull you into a Yeah, he he knew how to work the people around him. Yep. Yeah. So I mean yeah. a, a lot of yeah, there's a lot of baggage associated with those <laughs> yes. movie stuff. But they are from the 30s, for crying out true, loud. True, so. true. That was a lot. You not know, in 50 80s. years, you think they would have learned something. But maybe not. Not the 80s. Although I don't know that I could ever watch... I don't know if I could handle watching a Mr. Moto film. But I've never seen uh, one of those, so... I, I've seen a bits of them, so... Mm. You know, we treated the Japanese, believe it or not, worse than the Chinese, I think, about that time, so... Uh, yeah yeah i can see that i, I think so so yeah many um, people in our country had a grudge against them for some odd reason yes so but we're condemning we're condemning the british here i not, know not us this is this is all about the british being yeah. bad um <laughs> but admittedly you know in, in 
you watch more recent British television, it's not like that. They, they oh no, 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 no! Act. In fact, they probably all would have been Japanese. Oh heck yeah! And and who knows? Maybe it actually would have been subtitled and actually spoken in Japanese. Oh yeah, could have done that too. Right. Yeah, I, actually, I like that. We would have been surprised to find out what Devis was saying at the end of the episode. <laughs> um, or perhaps they would have had to still censor that. I don't know. Probably, anyway. yeah. Or he wouldn't have said it at all. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> so <laughs> trying to put the the rampant, horrible racism aside. Right, yes, yes. And perhaps the terrible acting. We'll try to put that aside. What <laughs> did you think of the premise of this story? Uh, so far, of all the episodes, I think this is the most science fiction-ish one of all. I actually quite liked the premise. I, uh, I have... The words, I really like the premise here written yeah. in my notes. Uh, it, it did remind me of the Andromeda strain. Uh, okay, you know, I can see because, that. Because uh, the people in Piedmont all died. You know, the, it's where the, uh, the, the, the probe lander, they cracked it open because obviously the local doctor is a, you know qualified probe to opener. do that sort of thing. And everybody died of uh, coagulated blood. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot that was what yep. they died of too. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. They cut the guy's arm and powder runs out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yep. right. But... Uh, yeah, so no, I thought this was a really, really uh, good, good science fiction story, and I, I thought that, you know, I mean, yes, they do spell it out for you at the end, but I mean, it, it's actually quite brilliant that if you had a crew, they're going to be in complete isolation, yeah, no external factors. You control their food, <laughs> you control yes. their medication, and you give them a medical check before they get on board. Mm -hmm. You have. You probably have somebody on board doing periodic or automated medical checks throughout the course of the right, the flight, which would be normal flight data, and yep. then you have to check them when they come back. It's absolutely transparent if you yeah. slipped them, except slipped for the whole ethics list. thing. Yeah, which, ethics is. I've noticed different. something in this series. Uh, apparently, when you go into space, your ethics are left behind. I, I At least when it, you're a scientist, you know. Well, that he theme? did say he did say they did ask uh, Spring about that. He, he, you know, he's like, you think all scientists are bad or something? And, and he goes, no, I think all scientists are broke. <laughs> okay, yes. Yes, that's, yeah. And at first I yeah, thought he meant, true. you know, broken in the head. No. Ethically well, broken, but you know, he means yeah. poor. Well, both. <laughs> yeah. Maybe both, perhaps. Yeah. But he went on to explain he was talking about they need money. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. I think he meant both. <laughs> it's it's well, uh, you know, face but it, it's all not the scientists, the scientists here. It's Hanamed. Well, yeah, Hanuman's busted. Yeah, the whole co corporate culture was screwed up on that one, boy. And you got to crack some eggs to make some omelets. <laughs> I guess so, but boy, you should really ask the eggs first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and sure they 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 astronauts on board that probe probably signed some papers that said, "Yeah, you, you we are now willing guinea pigs," but that probably wasn't really something that was highlighted. Right. It was just like an initial list page. Exactly. And we'll supply you with the medicine and you'll liable. your copy of my copy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that they, the one flaw, <laughs> apart from a big ethical flaw, the, the one flaw that I see with this plan is the lack of a control. Um, yeah. And uh, if they that, had, maybe they had another space probe out there someplace else, you know, Pluto 4. Perhaps was the control. Well, I don't know. I think, I think <laughs> what they would have needed to do 
And here's why, and I can also tell you why they wouldn't do it. But what they needed to do is, since they assigned the medicine, they should have just given somebody like, a placebo. Yeah, they should have given one or more of them a placebo, exactly batch, or just actual farinol or whatever it was. And the problem with that is, is that if something like this happened and six of the eight died and two <laughs> yes. survived, yeah. they'd have to kill the other two. Exactly. <laughs> There'd be quiet. some explaining to do when they got back to home base. Yes. Oops. Um, yeah. So. Which, yeah. So, you know, as good science goes, there's the problem right there. You really can't <laughs> have a control on something like this. I mean, they're I not know. mice. So as... as <laughs> So Unless they're the like enhanced, uplifted mice that are intelligent, then they should they should run for public office. I do think that the that the whole forty one degree threshold thing was weird, and you have to ask yourself how many other ships out there have been given this medication, and their ship never hit forty one degrees, so they yeah, never exactly. noticed that it was a problem. Exactly. Yeah, that's. I mean, wow. Okay, that's a. Of course. Uh, I, um, so for listeners who, who don't know, uh, both John and I live in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that 41 degrees Celsius is the maximum limit that humans can function in oh, is hilariously <laughs> funny. Um, because it's it's over 41 degrees for three months of the year here. at night it's over that <laughs> it's over that at night three yes, we're inside 6 a.m before the sun comes up it is that temperature yes so it is hell unto earth here it gets is to horrible. 50 at times and uh, yeah well mm. once get to 50 once yeah close still a couple times really close but just the yeah, once but still walking out in that heat it's just no fun hmm. yeah now, you know, admittedly, so if hot my blood will turn to time, dust. You'd probably die. Hmm? If you're out in that all the time, you'd probably die. Um, you know, you we we go in the office, we go in the house, we I, go no, in the car. I think but, after a while you get kind of acclimated to it, but it can't be good for you. But I can we, Yeah, you have to British. be able to survive in it cuz there's places it's, that get hotter than Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Middle East air conditioning. Gets, Terribly hot, and they don't have any AC in a lot of places. No, well, they didn't have it here. Man, there's plenty of people who work outside all the time. We're just wimps. <laughs> well, and we're talking about the British here. So, yeah, 41 is a lethal death sentence. That's like Frosty the Snowman melting. Well, because they expect <laughs> about 60 or 80% humidity, too, which, you know, that is death right there. Oh, yeah, that is death. That's true. Yeah, the that air will be... strangle you. Please, kids, don't try this at home. Um, I also thought it was very unusual for this show i i really the racism thing just spoils what would have been the best episode of the show because we also get we also get a little bit of soul searching from spring here about whether or not he uses people and that neatly parallels the fact that hanamed is exploiting people yeah you know it, it's drove it's driven home for him that you know, what he does is, in fact, exploitive. Yeah, but it's kind of his job. And Well, there there I is that discussion with Box uh, about, well, I mean, yeah. it's your job to push him out of the push him out of their zone. Right. In order for them to, you know, screw up or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I don't actually think that the police really are supposed to provoke a response. 
uh, probably not real police, but TV police. TV maybe. police, yes, but not yeah. not. No, real, real police, police, no. No, I don't think they're supposed to do that. That's N- Nor do they trouble, pretend to poison people <clears throat> or beat them up in a steam <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's something in the Academy about doing that. And it's, it's just like, it's like just don't right out. do it. Yeah. Although, you know, again, that whole life on Mars thing in 70s uh, British cops, they beat them up all the time. So I'm sure that was real. So, Oh, that's just to convince just... people to confess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're not going to confess if they weren't really guilty. Yes, exactly. They yeah. just need a little mm. encouragement. And... Encouragement. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Spring talks to Box and he starts asking him questions like, do I use people? You'll have to be more concise. And so, well, yeah. am I exploiting people unfairly? To which Box responds, can you exploit people fairly? It's a. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting question. I'm, obviously not you can't i mean if you're exploiting them that by definition is right exactly exactly using them against type and he kind of gets that that whole well you know ever since lee was killed i feel like and i've come up here i feel like i'm doing it more you know mechanically and right and and boxes well i don't see being mechanic uh, being mechanical <laughs> as being anything to be ashamed of and it's not that that's particularly profound, but it's remarkably self-aware for Box. Good, good uh, adaptive uh, programming and uh, lin- linguistic parsing on his creator's part. I don't know. You know, the, the, the character of Box is... Have you ever seen a, something like this in a TV show that has such potential that is used so little oh boy uh the uh, um the only thing that really pops to mind is the classic transporter in star trek uh, right you could do you could do all sorts of stuff oh yeah with, with a transporter it's, exactly it's, yeah uh, the matter destructor machine or the you know the 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 life photocopier Mm-hmm. You know, ultimate backup system. Yeah. Remove whatever you, you know, whatever tumors in your body just by beaming it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, that's the so, only thing that I can really think about the top of my head that comes close to how Box is not uh, utilized or even recognized as being a stunning piece of technology. Yeah. By anybody that Spring's ever run into. Yeah, they're all like, what? It's, it's a oh, it's box. Toy. Says, yeah, I know. I ask it questions when I stay up late at night, you know? I, yeah, but it answers with good, good answers. That's it. Yes. You know, it's it it's like the ultimate Google Assistant. Much better. <laughs> much. It's much better than Alexa. It's the best yeah. bot you could ever think of. Yeah. They want to get um, both their names so everybody's uh, devices go off at the same time here when they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could say, you know, like, I don't know. No, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but if anybody would like all their lights set to chartreuse, just say something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know where to write. You know where to write. We'll, <laughs> we'll include it in one of the podcasts, maybe after the credits or something. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, or maybe this one. I don't know. Hang on. We'll play Havoc with your home uh, automation system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you might end up with a lot of things showing up on your door from Amazon. Who knows? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a thought. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, so was 
Alexi, the moon base commander. Mm-hmm. Was he in on this? Uh, no, no. I, I mean, no. I don't think so. he knew about the Hanamed. Um, let me let me rephrase that. I don't think he knew anything about the Hanamed experiments or anything like that. But uh, if anything, I think he suspected that his good friend might have had something to do with something. Do Do you think at the beginning that that was the case, or or that was later on? Um, because I'm wondering about how. Uh, Spring wants to get out to the ship, right? And he's delayed by four. Alexi stops him for 48 hours because Hanamed doesn't want him to go till a doctor comes out. And he says, oh, they're putting pressure on me. Okay, fine. They're putting pressure on him. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes, all right, um, fine. The doctor's here. Now you guys can go out there. Oh, by the way, uh, Spring, I'd really like you to go do this other favor for me. I, and, I think, and it kind of feels like he's trying to prevent him from going to the Pluto Five. Um, I think that he probably knew that his friend Janssen uh, uh, had worked on things like this and realized that, uh, you know, maybe because Hanamed is giving him such a hard time about having a scientist or having a, a doctor on hand for the, the, the ship showing up and there seems to be something up with it. They're not talking to us. Maybe I should check on her. And when she doesn't reply for a couple of days, it's like there's something wrong. You know, something's up. I don't. I would I, like no, to I think that Alexei did not know that uh, bad things were afoot. You know, I no, don't okay, think he was well, in on let it. Me, let me rephrase this. Um, okay. It's not that it's not that he wanted somebody checked on it. It's that he insisted on Spring doing it. I mean, if you thought your friend. I think he feels like Why a would he just spring. say, could you send somebody to check? I mean, that's that's what you do. You don't call the police commissioner and say, hey, could you personally go check on my friend? Unless you well, wanted Spring specifically not to go. And I'm just kind of wondering if maybe Hanamed gave him a little bit of a, you know, uh, sure, they can go. You know, if, if you want to send the amateur cops instead of the professional one. Um, I think Alexei was was doing it in his own interest. He wanted somebody to go there that he knew that uh, if there was something going on, something had happened or whatever, that he wants somebody that's actually capable of investigating okay, fair enough. to be first on the scene. So I, I think Alexei is, has some faith in Spring that he's actually a decent cop and can do his job. I don't think there's an adversarial... Uh, relationship there i don't think anyways i don't feel it i feel like they actually kind of uh, kind of like each other yeah but at the same time obviously we still have that lingering hey you got the russians up here yeah um i think they both know that they're doing a job and uh, yeah i think each one of them knows that the other guy is good at what they do Uh, yeah there's no malice between them that I can tell. Man, space light between Earth and these uh, and the moon is easy these days, isn't it? Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Just hop on down. Okay. Uh, all right, I'll come down too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it it seems like it's about a 2-hour flight the way they're they're hopping around to the moon. I'm trying to remember how long it seemed to take when uh spring went from the moon to Italy. They did probably mention that, didn't they? But oh, I don't know. I want to. 
for some reason, I want to say like, you know, like 20 hours or something, but I I could just been making that up. Now, I know that you mm-hmm. have uh, traveled to Asia. Yes, I have a couple times. As as have I. And I think the the longest one I've ever endured is about 14 hours in the air. That sounds about right. 12 or 14. I forget what I was. Yeah. Can you imagine a flight of, you know, what we know the moon travel is three days yeah. in that kind of a liner? Well, um, it was yeah. a lot more spacious than Apollo. That's for sure. Zero gravity. So being seated wouldn't be that bad. All right. Um, yeah, you know, I could think of worse ways to go, you know. I suppose that would make a difference. It it did seem kind of, uh, you know, very much jetliner. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Ooh, well, you know, got to make that, you know, because, well, how do you go to the moon? Well, you're going to go into something that has lots of people in it and, you know, it's going to look like an airplane because, yeah, it's got to go into the atmosphere. So obviously it's going to have, you know, a two by two seating down the aisle, like Concord. And I guess if you're coming it's in very on, much like Concord. If you're coming in on, um, say, Tokyo... You're gonna stay weightless until you get you to hit the, the, the drop point. Yeah, and you're then it's gonna get at Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, but you're not gonna. In other words, they're not gonna fly in over Los Angeles and then do a Trans-Pacific flight at regular speeds. You're just gonna drop in at at or near Tokyo. Well, so that you if you're gonna land in Tokyo, your... you're gonna probably start your descent over the American coast or someplace that far out just to burn up the excess speed. Yeah, but yeah. And it Maybe won't the shuttle be a starts its descent hour like, flight. It'll be, you know, 20 Oh, it'll minutes. be a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From the time you actually get to, you know, uh, when you're going to be starting to hit uh, the atmosphere. It's just a couple minutes till you land. You're going to what, Mach 27 or something like that. 24. Yeah. yeah. Get some sonic booms going there. Mm-hmm. I meant to, but I didn't because I figured you would know all about it. So I did not uh, take the opportunity to uh to look deeper into the science of bone loss uh blood uh chemical changes etc from space travel i know those are all real uh muscle loss mm-hmm. um iron supplements is that really is that uh, really what they do no uh well that would probably help a little bit but it's calcium uh and also the the body uh you know, we're we're set up to adapt to our surroundings. So if our body thinks that it doesn't need muscle or bone, it's not going to create it. You have to right. trick it by, you know, giving yourself, you know, four hours of bike. exercise a day just to stave off most of the effects. But you still, you lose, it's like one, one and a half percent of your uh, uh, bone mass a month when you're in space. It's... Uh, yeah, it can be crippling. If you're there too long and you don't work out a, a, enough, you will have serious issues when you get back to Earth. I mean, it could be very bad for you. And so, it, I, mean, I think the, there's other things that it'll affect too. Your heart doesn't work right. Uh, it, it has some long-lasting effects. There's Zero gravity is bad for you. Uh, yeah. It's, it's it, good for a vacation, a but for years, oh, no, you're not going to be in good shape at all. This is definitely a thing where uh, if we are to exploit space, expand out into space, yes. then 
corporations need to step up or whoever needs to step up and find novel solutions. So Right. Either they're going to have to have something that's going to replace the calcium and other stuff that you lose, or they're going to have to start doing, um, you know, uh, simulated gravity with centrifugal force or something like that. Uh, NASA spent lots of money in research. In fact, I think yeah. all the space agencies have done that. And it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's, it's really hard. What was... Um... That and radiation. Two things will kill you in space. <laughs> what was Devis's comment? Um, that he doesn't want to go back to Earth because he's uh, 15 kilos on the moon, but he's 90 kilos on Earth. Yeah, something like that. What would happen to a, a, a fat man? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> think of it this way. Uh, if you have a lot of extra weight and you have osteoporosis, which is essentially is what you'd have. Right. Um, you trip, you fall, boom, you've broken your Snap hip. everything, yeah. Uh, you sit down hard, you could crack your spine. I mean, you could you know, blow out a, a actual uh, part of your spinal column or, uh, you know, um, snap your wrist by turning a doorknob. Who knows? You know, it would be really, really hard on you. Yeah. Uh, you, in fact, your, your muscle loss would probably uh, make it very difficult for him to walk around. Yeah. But, yeah, well, he, that's he that's common for astronauts to have to be helped off from uh, the Soyuz when they land nowadays uh, because they've they've lost a bit of their uh, muscle mass and coordination and they don't uh, don't function very well. It takes them you know a while back while to uh, you know get back into shape. Also, very unpleasant landing. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a a real big reason why the Soyuz crafts have uh, form fitting. Uh, seats that you sit in is so you don't uh, get broken when you land. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Eh, they should have gone for the water landings. Should have gone for the water landings. I think it's close to the same thing. Is it that hard? I thought that that um, was a minor difference. Well, minor is not quite the right word for it. I mean, it's still a rough landing, but... Yeah, I mean, you splash down and you get the big parachutes and stuff like that, and the water absorbs the, the impact uh, pretty good. I'm going to guess that a water landing is more comfortable than a a a, a land based landing or land landing. Let's face uh, it, simply if you because jump off a well, simply because now when you uh, when they land now, um, I forget the distance, but it's not too far off the ground. Uh, uh, retro rockets fire, mm -hmm. and to you know kick the ship up a little bit so it doesn't hit with you know crushing force. So that, that helps. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I have anything else. Oh, nice is that the uh, astronauts who were on the Pluto 5 had an MP3 player. <laughs> that was kind of cool. Did they um, have MP3 players in the 80s? <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> hmm. I don't remember. I don't Did remember they have when that came about. Do they have digital audio in the 80s? Well, no, yeah. That's... Not really. <laughs> I, didn't... I had a Commodore 64 game that had a... Uh, a, a digitized uh, cry of uh, somebody doing a karate move, and that was about as close as you got. Oh, I thought you were going to say it had the Wilhelm scream. No, digitized. no. The game Karateka, if I remember right. No, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of cute that they had that. I think uh, MP3s came out in the uh, blah, 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 early 90s. I was amazed that uh, uh, the, the sight of dead people freaked the hell out of Thoreau and Kinsey so badly 
Yes. That was kind of odd. It's like, uh, you're cops. You kind of deal with this. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, you might not get completely blase about seeing corpses all the time, but, you know, they're dead people. Yeah. Yeah. Have you not seen Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Because, I mean, it's not nearly as bad as what happened to the Nazis. No, yeah, no, they weren't liquefied. These guys are just kind of, you know, desiccated. Mummified. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's like going to an Egyptian exhibit at the museum. Some people do not deal well with that. Apparently these two didn't. Now, yeah. Now, to be fair, Thoreau does strike me as a type that overreacts oh, to everything. Oh, yeah, Atomic no leak! Ah! Yeah, exactly. Once again, Thoreau, boy. Uh, why can't he get one of those uh, those suits with the, uh, the bad controls on him? Darn. Because <laughs> oh, they fixed that. that problem. Yeah, that's right. They did. Uh, well, let's see. Once again, uh, Devious on the bike was hilarious. I thought that was great. Still thinking that he's the best character on the series. <laughs> he didn't get Even much though... to do in this one except be incompetent. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was great. It's like, really? Come on, Davies. Jeez, wow. <laughs> that was dumb. That was dumb. Like, oh, it's a it's a voice record. Who are you? Um, I'm Richard Ho. <laughs> no you're not <laughs> wow <laughs> uh, the guy playing richard ho isn't even richard ho wow yeah oh uh once again the audio mix is not worth mentioning boy it was bad yeah they still talk over each other quite a bit yeah well and also the the once again the music it's like are they at a carnival this should be suspenseful why are they playing like upbeat music it's weird. I didn't notice the music. Really? Oh, fine. In I'm, the episode. I, that's, I'm not. That's odd. Yeah, I still notice it. Sadly, I wish I didn't. That's kind of a shame. Yeah. Oh, I do have one uh, hmm. that that crossed my mind. There is the scene when uh, David is talking to Kenzie. They're very towards the end. No, maybe a little earlier when Spring has gone to Tokyo, and he's asking her if spring told her anything about why he was going to earth right you remember that scene uh yeah i think so and she tells him oh he said he's going to take a bath <laughs> and but what what did he do in that scene do you, do you remember it at all he walks into that room walks oh, up the, to the kenzie no, puts no, no, his yeah, yeah. arm all over her yeah that's right that was so wrong. It wasn't as wrong as the racial stereotyping, but it really, it's, it's you know, all those corporate, this is sexual harassment <laughs> exactly. videos. It's like Dave is <laughs> just trying to, uh, trying to piss her off, you know, really trying I, to drive home these, a coarse bastard. Yeah. It was so it was so wrong because I didn't really, I don't really get that they're palsy at all. But, you know, mm -hmm. there's nobody, there's nobody I do that to except, no. you know, my wife. But no, you're not calling Divas either. But... So, and that's a good thing. <clears throat> no, no, not Divas. David. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. I, I he walked right up to Kinsey and he just arm around her and, hey, you're talking to me. And so I'm like, is he, are, are they sleeping together? What the heck? <laughs> it's like, where did this come from? And and then it's just clear that that is just really inappropriate workplace behavior. Yeah, it's just his his overall friendly nature. <laughs> okay, that's <clears throat> that's what they said about Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Um, oh, ouch. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
uh, no, I don't know. Uh, once again, I just uh, could have cast a better actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's not the actor. Well, I mean, it might be the actor's fault too. But I mean, the fact that they even put that in there, that the director allowed it, it's just so. Oh, in the eighties, uh, okay. maybe that was normal. I don't know. I, I I guess that's part of the problem. It was normal. Yeah. We're just looking like at it with different eyes. Like, and yeah, it's just, I cannot, I cannot imagine doing that to a colleague. No. Under any circumstances, ever. Mm. <laughs> no. No, can't think of that. No. No. New, new, new. Um, Maybe helping them out of a ditch they've just fallen into, but even that. Yeah. So, uh, any others? Oh, we get a new uh, character in the show. Anna Shun is going to stay on with the Force. Yes, that's what they need. More people who are not cops. Yeah, exactly. And not yeah. a forensic expert. Right, you know, well, yeah, uh, any doctor is <laughs> better than no doctor, apparently, when you're on the moon. Yeah, but didn't didn't they say they had doctors on the moon? Yeah, they do. Okay, I was kidding. Did, it's going to be horrible. He did say that. I I did think it was interesting that Spring noticed the fact that it was odd that Hanamed sent a doctor without forensic experience to examine the bodies. Yeah, you know, kudos to him. Kudos to the in, in a way to the writing for. Setting that up as a believable threat. Yeah, you would not send a forensic. You'd send a doctor. Yeah, having a, a loyal corporate between doctor the two professions, yeah, or skills mm-hmm. that that wouldn't it wouldn't be suspicious to ninety nine point nine percent of the population. We sent a doctor. I mean, but oh, yeah. yeah, more things that Spring noticed that were odd about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, he he's he's written as a a good detective, if nothing. Yeah. If if all the other things fail, he's really a lousy enforcer of beating people up, but he's <laughs> oh, kinder and gentler police force. <laughs> a different a different era. A different yes, era. Exactly. I am I am out. Uh yeah, that's about it. I'm I'm kinda looking forward to the next episode. I want to see how uh they handle the new uh new recruit, as it were. Does she have to go to some sort of a space cop school or, uh, you know, training in how to fill out forms? I don't know. <laughs> That's right. That'll be. Well, I hope they have people for her to work on next time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll have some more medical mysteries in space. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> I think we've only got two more episodes left, if I'm not mistaken. That I don't remember. Two or two or it sounds about three right. at the most. But. All right. Well, John, thank you for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.